This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the music director of the TSO, Alain Trudel, also principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue, and the TSO's marketing director, Felicia Canny. Welcome, everyone. Great to be here. Thank you. Now, we have a special event coming up this weekend, Saturday evening, a spotlight event, in fact. The film and music legend Queen Latifah is coming to Toledo one night only. You, uh, that is happening at the Peristyle, right? At 8 o'clock p.m. Saturday evening at the Peristyle. More information at 419-246-8000. You can also go online to the website at toledosymphony.com. Now, here's what we're doing today. We're taking this whole Queen Latifah thing sort of as a, an inspiration, as it were, for the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is classical crossover or it could just be any kind of crossover crossover music that's a it's a great big subject so a lot of things to talk about first of all i want to say that queen latifah is not really a crossover artist certainly she touches on different genres but i mean she is um you know she's a genuine artist in all of those genres but i think you've got so much versatility with queen latifah and i think you'll see that in the program it's a really really exciting program she's doing you know, tunes that really span the gamut. She's, I can't wait to hear her take on Lush Life. That's, no. that's just going to be great. No. Um, but she was a great hip-hop artist. Um, she was in Chicago and Hairspray. All, so she she, you a know, talk show. Yeah, it does yeah. a talk yeah. show. So um, a great, great, you know, incredibly sympathetic and likable character on screen. You can't help but root for her characters. And I, I can't... It's actually going to be my birthday Saturday, and it's can't, can't, you know, it's what a way, wow. what a great way to spend a birthday. So Maybe, well, Queen excited. Latifah, if you're listening, Merwin's birthday Saturday. You can do an encore. I would be happy delighted. Birthday. Absolutely, yeah. very, very subtle. We, we subtle look forward to that. Well, I promise we won't sing Happy Birthday to you on the podcast <laughs> today. But let's uh, talk about the whole idea of crossover. Uh, who wants to take the lead on this and just, I mean, there's so many different kinds of crossover, right? There are classical artists mm-hmm. who decide that they're going to put out a jazz album or what have you. There are pop artists who are going to, you know, sort of hop on the classical bandwagon and try mm-hmm. to do something in that genre. What, what are your feelings on this whole idea of crossover, Alain? I am. I have really mixed feelings about about, <laughs> <laughs> about the, the the term about. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a pop version of it? Okay. Yeah, right. so, but, yeah. <laughs> um, the the reason is that I've been labeled in my career many times, like because I, I come. Both my parents are jazz musicians, and I started playing trombone as a jazz uh, musician, uh, migrating to uh, classical music studies after that. Mm-hmm. But it's the the things that if if they are genres of music that you have inside of you that you feel like for example queen latifah when we see all the things that she does it's, it's very sincere in each one of them she's mm-hmm. very competent in every one of them and it's not a marketing thing right yeah but uh, sometimes you see a uh, classical artist that say oh this is a jazz album and it doesn't swing at all and it's just they play the song <laughs> it's very square yeah and yeah. you say okay, are, are well, we naming names today or no no no, 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 okay. no. we're not taking names either so we're gonna <laughs> I might name a few names, but that's all right. Nobody who's here in the room. <laughs> no, no, but you know, it's uh, and and it's usually uh, the, the same could go the other way around. But it shows more when it's somebody who's trying to go into the jazz or the pop field, just thinking, of course, because the harmony and the 
the structures that are kind of and quote unquote easier, mm-hmm. but still it's about the groove, you know. So yeah. if, if you don't really feel it, uh, yeah, you can have a you know two five one or a four five one. I mean the, the, the harmony, but it's uh, it, you, you still it's still gonna sound fake. So you need to have. To have a real, like, if you want to say crossover artist, is people that are in two different styles, have mm-hmm. one foot in each, very grounded and and very at ease and and very sincere in both, yeah. and and that's good. But uh, that we've been served by so many, disserved <laughs> by by <laughs> so many artists saying, "Oh, right, let, let's expand in that genre." So yeah. for for me, I, I, a lot of people got burned in that. What What do you think started the whole? crossover trend i mean if we go back to the 90s and look at the three tenors at the world cup you know that was sort of a touchstone event for classical music making forays into the pop genre and popular songs and that sort of thing big commercial success i mean what do you think uh, drove initially it was driving the mm-hmm. the crossover well can i say that it it could be because of the marketing yeah um, <laughs> that, that you know you know you spent your time um performing in a certain genre and then okay well i've done that why don't we expand a little further to reach more people who might have differing tastes and then um through that bring bring them closer to to the original genre um you get a little applause for oh i'm not sure that's a great thing because (laughs) because as elena you've mentioned before like not everyone can do that i read somewhere that it um like the pianist's brain um for a classical pianist versus a jazz pianist, completely different when playing. And you, there's something special really? about the people who can overcome that in order to be proficient in both, you know? Mm-hmm. So so you're saying that their, their brain it, it sort of goes in one direction with classical music and a different direction with it, like jazz. Like different parts are se. lit up, I think. So when, you have to kind of like, yeah. it, you know, be multifaceted with your... Yeah, yeah, you Your need a super signals. brain. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Elaine? You must have a super brain because you play jazz. <laughs> oh yeah, I think you, you have a super brain. You play classical <laughs> as a trombonist. Uh, no, but you take people like Leonard Bernstein. Mm-hmm. I mean, also yeah. a very. I mean, of course, he's a genius. But I mean, uh, there are there there are people. I'm not saying that they don't exist, right? But uh, I like Lady Gaga is one of them. Oh yeah. I mean, Lady Gaga is an amazing artist. Has a brain like, uh, and also goes in the pop world. The jazz world. She's a genuine yeah. jazz singer. And she's a pianist uh, too. And she's a pianist. Yeah. I mean, there's there, there are people out there, but the, the thing is that it cannot be enough people to be a trend almost. <laughs> yes. But but the trend is the marketing part yeah. of it. But uh, I and we were talking about the three tenors. I mean, they do incursions like little bit of other things. It's mm-hmm. okay if you do a tune or two, but uh, I don't think they have the pretension of, of, of uh, you know of saying oh we are you know jazz singers or we are pop singers. But they no, do a little no. bit. But you know it's another thing if you're a, uh, if you do like a pop duet album and it's very clear that it doesn't work or things like that <laughs> <laughs> that's also possible but uh i know for me i mean this, i would say like it was more successful coming from jazz mm-hmm. going into classic yeah because from jazz you have a sense of structure and basically you're trained as a, a composer because you play your own music on the spot you mm-hmm. improvise which brings you to um i have a curiosity of, uh, of of what how music is made and how it's put together and then classical music you bring that to it and it's very positive because then as you're doing I don't know Brahms symphony Mozart symphony then you're inside the music but mm-hmm. at the same time I have some colleagues who are great jazz musicians but they can't get there's one thing that's very important and it's very technical is the articulation yeah. the way of articulating how you talk like mm-hmm. with your instrument yeah you know they're, they're, it's very simple ta 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 
Jasmine Salam is usually going ta 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 ta, right? Ta ta ba which works well. And it's just not in some of their genes go ta 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 ta. Right. Yeah, and the yeah. other way around also. You want to go tap ta da da, and you want to go pop poof it up. Yeah, and, and for them, it's like <laughs> I they can't just can't do it. And it no, no, at the end of the day, it winds up going. Where's the kazoo? Right, very, very yeah. proper. Yeah, exactly. So, but but again, uh, some of them are, are amazing. You know, do you remember yeah. clarinet player, a clarinetist called Eddie Daniels? Eddie Daniels? Yeah. No. <laughs> he, he was one of them. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Benny Goodman. Yeah, Benny Goodman yeah, for sure. Benny Goodman, another genius. Not only played a lot, but commissioned uh, absolutely a lot of composers. Yeah, great he, he start yeah. classically trained and then moved over to. Well, it's very interesting know. because it was almost more genuine in the old days because you yeah. were whatever music you would do, mm-hmm. you would be like quote unquote old school trained. You know, yeah. do your scales, do the, and and you don't get into a genre too quickly. You have to learn to play the, the properly. Fundamentals, yeah, yeah. Well, I learned that way. Are there classical artists out there who have a genuine pedigree for when it comes to like you know other genres of music, jazz or pop or? A lot of classical singers, opera singers, yeah. um, you know, cross over into Broadway. <coughs> yes. And, and like you were saying, that used to be something that was just a given. You mm-hmm. had people mm-hmm. like Ezio Pinza singing South Pacific and True. things like that. Yeah. You had real legit voices that could be on the opera stage mm-hmm. and uh, on Broadway. But that seems to have gone away by now. Well, I... I guess I disagree because Renee Fleming, didn't she recently perform on Broadway as well? Yeah. I mean, you do have some opera singers. Yeah, they're still around. But See, we I, are naming guess... names. That's good. <laughs> it's yeah, always good, good when you she name names in a positive way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, right? <laughs> I'm all for that. The negative, no. <laughs> I, have, I have, yeah. Here's my, here's my answer to that. Right? <laughs> anyway. Okay. Let's do our quiz of the day. Okay. All right. I'm going to bring up a little uh, crossover music for you. Put that in there. It's not really crossover. It's just like a goofy version of Carmen. Anyway, I have what I'm calling a hidden talents quiz. This is an uh, eight-question quiz about various celebrities and what instruments they are associated with. You may or may not know the answers to these. Number one, this actress, once in a high-profile relationship with another famous actor, is also a talented saxophone player. Is it A, Jennifer Aniston, B, Jennifer Garner, or C, Jennifer Lopez? Which one do you say? Well, to speak about crossover, Jennifer Lopez, I think, has been on. No. <laughs> no. Um, no, that wasn't my answer. <laughs> Gardner, right? Yeah, I think. Hey, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jennifer actor. Garner. Yes, yes. Number two, this former U.S. president had an entire room set aside in the White House where he could play his music. Is it A, Richard Nixon, B, Thomas Jefferson, (laughs) or C, Bill Clinton? Bill Clinton. Yay! Good job. He's a saxophonist, right? We're going to zip right through this. Okay, number three. What instrument did Aretha Franklin play in high school? Was it the clarinet, the saxophone, or the tuba? I, I heard that and thought clarinet immediately, so I'm going to go with that. I feel like she'd be a good tuba player. Yeah! Wow, Felicia. Wow, go Felicia. Up. Felicia. Woo. She played the tuba. I wow. just, can you imagine Aretha Franklin? Like young Aretha Franklin playing She'd probably the tuba. rock at it. I bet. <laughs> I, see that. I, I found a new respect for the tuba. <laughs> 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 okay. 
Which of these celebrities plays the trumpet? Is it Richard Gere, Steven Tyler, or Samuel L. Jackson? Richard Gere? Well, he does play the trumpet, but that's not the answer. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, that's not the total answer. Whoa. Oh, wait. it's You can choose more than one? Yeah. Ah. I didn't know that. <laughs> Interesting. Well, wow. do you want to choose more than one or no? Uh, C. What was C? Samuel. This is the one tuba. Of those oh no, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Samuel Jackson. Yes, he does play the tuba. But that, I mean, he does play the trumpet. But that is not the whole answer. You see all where I'm them? going with this? No, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. We refuse to go. Yeah. Say it again, Felicia. <laughs> all of them. Yay! Wow. They all wow. play the trumpet. Richard Gere, Steven Tyler, and Samuel L. Jackson. Do you know how I come to these answers? I'm just like picturing their faces and their embouchures. <laughs> And I'm like, you look like you can play the trumpet. You look like you can play the trombone. Oh, my God. You're like the sorting hat in Harry Potter. Oh, really? <laughs> Gryffindor. You're Slytherin. Trumpet. Trumpet. Tuba. Exactly. That's great. Does it work for instruments besides brass instruments? or? Oh, yeah. Woodwinds. Yeah. I could, Everything. You look like an oboe player. Kazoo. Yeah, you look like a flutist. <laughs> okay. Next question. These celebrities all play the same instrument, Jimmy Kimmel, Julia Roberts, and Steven Spielberg. Is it the A, clarinet, B, oboe, or C, flute? Which one is it? Wow, I need those crickets again. <laughs> I was just, I was, you, you took the sound right out of my fingers there. I was just about to hit the, hit the button. Clarinet. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Again. Felicia, are you like peering through my no, paper here? No, no, no. Huh. Maybe this is like years of staring at little kids, like trying them out for yeah. instruments. It's like, you would make a great trombone player. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Again, she has a ta- a- another hidden talent that we discovered. <laughs> Not hidden anymore. Now we know. We're going to send you around to all the schools and you can just, you know, take Try care them out, of it for them. Do yeah. their fittings. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, which of these world leaders does not play the piano? That means the others do play the piano. So, is it Emmanuel Macron, Justin Trudeau, or Vladimir Putin? Which one of those does not play the piano? Justin. Yay! <laughs> wow. I, I guess you know because yeah. <laughs> the Canada thing, right? The Canada thing. But There's I, I only 12 say... of us. We should be able to figure this out. <laughs> But I do want to say, I mean, if he, uh, you know, if he did play the piano, yes, probably his favorite key to play in would be A. Oh, oh. God! Oh no! No! <laughs> I worked on that all night. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yeah, although uh, I haven't seen any videos of Emmanuel Macron playing the piano, but I have seen videos of Vladimir Putin playing the piano, and. It's really quite entertaining. You should go to YouTube and, and check okay. it out. Okay. I mean, he, it, as far as I've seen, he's capable of playing one finger at a time. He sort of plays the piano the way that I type, right? <laughs> one or two th- fingers at a time. You get basically the melody, and that's okay. it. It's kind of like a Gordon Getty composition. But, but, <laughs> no, no. I would cut that out, but I'm just too lazy at this point. Okay. <laughs> Two more questions. These are bonus questions, right? So these are not instrument questions. These are sort of crossover questions. Which of these three tenors knockoff groups is fake? One of these three is not a real thing. Is it A, the three cantors, a trio of cantors? Cantors like in a synagogue. 
B, the three terriers, oh, a trio of canines, or C, the three terrors, a group yeah. that was so bad they would only perform live. <laughs> they don't allow any recordings to be made well, of their C. performances. I, I feel like A is real. A is, well, wait, yeah, yeah, now, yeah, yeah, now yeah, yeah. A sounds really the real. Three yeah. cantors yeah, after we're, all that. We're looking for so the we're down unreal to terriers one. versus yeah. terrors. Terriers or terrors? I, you know, I feel like some terrier Ter- group might exist. Yeah, I would say terrors is not terrors. That's wrong. Really? Sorry. Oh, what? <laughs> Wait, I'm so confused. Okay, so the false group is the three terriers. Uh, oh, well, right? after that Messiah and the dogs and everything, I thought I know. you know. I think that yeah. might I think exist. It's, we're relatively close to the puppy bowl, you know, we, <laughs> and like you know, thinking that that could have happened, and that's like this real annual event. I, I was sure the three terriers would be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. We should create it. I mean, well, maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe I just didn't research enough, you know, to make yeah. sure. But I'm pretty sure there's not a three terriers. Although that would be really fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> See, yeah. th- Next this, time this is this is this is how crossover comes to be. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is how. This is part of the podcast. By the end of the show, we're going to create our own classical crossover group, yeah. three terriers. Okay. Well, hang on. We lost our music. Let's bring it back. Now, final question. This is uh, again a bonus question. Which of these celebrities has never? Turn it down a little bit. Which of these celebrities has never sung Nessun Dorma? Is it A, Aretha Franklin, B, Michael Bolton, or C, Queen Latifah? That's got to be C. Yay! Yeah, as far as we know, she's never sung it. I mean, she well, may have sung it I mean, it I sing it in the shower, yeah. so I guess, you know, pretty much everybody's got to sing this piece, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but in the case of, well, I, I, we won't talk about Michael Bolton, but Aretha Franklin, she got a lot of, uh, uh, you know, kudos for yeah, absolutely. singing yeah. Ness and Dorma. In fact, she was, if I remember correctly, she was filling in for an indisposed Luciano exactly, Pavarotti. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah she got out there and sang it, you know, and more power to her. But she's actually been quite an ambassador for opera, and I think she's commented numerous times that Puccini is one of her favorite, compo- yeah. favorite composers. Yeah. So, yeah. Although I do want to digress for a minute and talk about this Nessun Dorma thing, because mm-hmm. that's become kind of a, you know, the go-to aria for all the talent shows that you see on television and yeah. around the world. Yeah. You see little, you know, seven-year-old girls singing mm-hmm. Nessun Dorma, which I find to be a little creepy given the fact that, yes. you know, it, it, it's a prince singing to a icy Chinese princess and he's going to be executed in the morning and <laughs> and they said nobody will sleep until we know his name so yeah and there's also the music I mean this is a really hard aria it's not it is absolutely say, yeah. Right? Yeah. what are your thoughts on the way Nessun Dorma has made its way into the pop culture Merwin well now I feel really guilty for singing it in the shower <laughs> <laughs> But shower's it, okay. Yeah, if only yeah. everybody would, you know, keep it in the shower. All right. <laughs> I think that the sense of the sense of struggle and the sense of heroism in it is. Oh, I thought you meant like vocal struggle. Well, I think, <laughs> but I do think that's that part too. of it. I do think that's part of it. If you kind of transpose it into a comfortable range. In a way, sometimes when they take string quartet pieces and make them string orchestra pieces, and you lose the sense of struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, well, it's a lot easier if you ha- if you change the circumstances. And I yeah. think that sometimes what makes the piece so powerful, the context and the actual the the difficulty of it, gets lost when you're 
when you're miking it or when you're you know when you're transposing it and i think it's really it's it's in a way it's a little bit of a pity but also i mean i I just love the piece so much that you know i also want people to be able to connect with it in whatever way they can so you know okay you defended your thesis pretty well there (laughs) what do you think elaine i mean you have conducted a lot of opera singers and you you know opera you know voices what what are your thoughts on the matter well uh for me it's what it bugs me when um when somebody uses something that you should be serving, like music, like great art, or and and it's not just classical music. I mean, you know, you if you see a little ten year old swinging, sing "Love for Sale," and <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's just wrong, right? Yeah. When you know the words. So, but uh, it's if you use it as a vehicle for a self serving. Uh, you know, something you want to try out. Or there, there's some pieces you should leave alone <laughs> for a while. Yeah. And uh, and this is one of them. But, I mean, who am I? I mean, you know, they, they, everybody does it. A lot yeah. of people do it. And and often they, 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 they can do this one piece, right? Yeah. And then it's like you have a career on one piece. I mean, it's a... Yeah, uh, right. Sing so, the whole opera, then we'll talk. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because it, it, it's not at the beginning. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. <laughs> and, you know, it, it really is a gold standard for the best of tenors, yeah. you know, who are doing it professionally as opposed to yeah. people who get up and, and can sort of canoodle their way through it. I think the most dangerous, I would say, for lack of a better word, uh, types of singers who present that to a, a popular audience are the ones who style themselves as legitimate opera singers, mm-hmm. right? But if you're in the world of opera and you hear that and you look at that and you're like, that voice would not fly on the opera mm. stage at, at, at all. There's there's a disconnect that goes on between the public, the general public, and the conoscenti, you know, the people in the yeah. know. Does that make us snobs, I guess? Well, as I, I, I was about to say, I mean, it's not a question of being elitist or being snob or any of that. It's just... Uh, you know, being aware that that what it does, you would do the same thing with sports, and nobody would find you uh, elitist or anything, yeah. right? You, you, and, yay! Oh. I like that. That's good. You get a yay and a little applause too. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but actually, that's one of the things that's really interesting. You think about. Um, like on YouTube, there's some amazing street basketball players who yeah. have incredible hops and just amazing moves, and yet somehow, for some reason, didn't quite get to the highest level. Yeah. And it's being able to execute those moves or utilize that athletic skill within a much more difficult context of actually attempting to win a professional game. Mm. And I think that, you know, within opera, I think there is there is an incredibly difficult context to yeah. be able to execute that ultimately without acoustic enhancement with while serving a drama. That's that's a difficult challenge. That being said, you know, I mean, like, I think, you know, part of me doesn't want to deprive people of the joys of discovering this music however they discover it. Well, we, we've been talking about a lot of different things and not just crossover. I mean, crossover was sort of like, again, the, the, the launching pad for our discussion today. I'm curious, a couple of questions that I have before we wrap it up. Um, Are there any specific genres of music that a classical musician should not be doing that you feel like, you know, like like oil and water, that they just don't mix? Well, I think that what's important is to realize that there's extraordinary levels of skill in 
every genre of music. There are different types of skills, and they're not equal skills. And I think that if you are a practitioner of electronic dance music, that's a lot of work, and that's a lot of extraordinary production ability, and that's also something that. It's not something that we should be dabbling in unless we really feel that we've generated that expertise. Yeah, like there's Daniel Bernard Romain, who's a hip hop violinist, and he does a great job. And but that's from years and years of practice. You know,、sure. that's from years of understanding. And I think that sometimes when maybe classical musicians may bridle at the idea of musicians from other genres coming into classical music, it's because there isn't the sense of genuine. Acquaintance with the necessary skill set, and I would think that you know people who listen to hip hop are going to be just as you know as critical. They、yeah. will they will notice. You know, there's one thing we didn't talk about though is that、uh, the inspiration. So you can be inspired by, and、um, I know that you're a big fan of the Kronos Quartet,、mm-hmm. and they do things that are inspired by another genre,、uh, and maybe some arrangement of things, but that. And being inspired by something and not trying to imitate, you know,、mm-hmm. or or trying to say like, or、oh, I am a pop or art or I am a jazz or I'm a classical,、right. but I'm inspired by something that 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 of another genre that I bring to my own genre、mm-hmm. and create something with that. That's very interesting. Like、uh, Gabriel Prokofiev,、uh, he put some hip hop in his. Gabriel Prokofiev is the grandson of the,、yeah. the Prokofiev, and you know, like in this. Is、uh, concerto for turntable and orchestra, or is concerto for bass drum and orchestra? Yeah, there's something really interesting in that, and you put the music of Charles Ives. There's there's a lot of composers and、uh, interpreters that are inspired by、uh, and take elements of that and their music making and their art making, but they're not faking and they're not kind of、uh, trying to imitate something. They, it's because they admire something and they want to. Another genre that what they do, and they include a little bit of that inspiration and and the the genre that they play, and that that's actually a very positive、uh, outcome that can come、yeah. from that. Getting back to、uh, naming names before we leave it for today,、um, do you each have、uh, somebody in mind that you could put out there as being like a successful crossover artist, somebody that you re- respect what they've done in terms of crossing over? Merwin, I think I did mention Daniel Bernard Romain, and I think、yeah. so. He's probably more easily、um, searched as DBR, right?、Um, and I think he's an amazing composer. I've had the、um, great privilege of playing a couple of his works, and I think I don't really touch some of the significantly more hip hop inspired works because I don't feel like I've you know developed the immersion in it. But I very much respect what he does. Yeah, Felicia, you have somebody that you would put out there. Uh, yes, the first person that came to mind was Lin Manuel Miranda, yeah, and、uh, the whole musical of Hamilton. There's so many different genres that he was able to just put into it. Put into、yeah. it that it it amazes me, and it's 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 surprising because when I first heard of the musical and and the premise for that, I thought no way, I I don't think this is for me. I don't not sure I really want to see something that has all this kind of hodgepodge genres put together, but.、Um, When you do witness it, it it's really compelling. It's it's wonderful、yeah. how he was able to、uh, seamlessly go from one to the other. So that he impresses me. You want to take the last word, Elaine? Oh, okay. Thank you. The, <laughs> I, I, I have a contemporary one and one that's、uh, from before a little bit. I, I I've said it before. Lady Gaga is somebody I、oh, respect、yeah. a lot. Yeah,、uh, absolutely. And she's my God, she's amazing, and and the both genre that she does. And I have to say, Leonard Bernstein. Somebody goes up, conducts Mahler, Haydn, and writes West Side Story. Yeah. 
I mean, a West Side Story like swings for real. I mean, yeah. uh, and and as Mahler is as Mahler. I mean, um, that is very unique, uh, very unique yeah, musician. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've had a great discussion today, and uh, obviously, you know, we could keep talking about this. Lots of different avenues that we've opened up here with the just the the germ of the idea talking about crossover. But uh, I want to thank everybody who came in today. That would be the Toledo Symphony's music director, Elaine Trudell, also Merwin Sue, who is principal second violin and artistic administrator, and the TSO's marketing director, Felicia Canny. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. I'm Brad Cresswell, and you've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab on FM 91.